my wonderful friends. Welcome to Faith FM Drive Time. Welcome to Big Q&A. This is the show where we respond to difficult questions about God and faith, contemporary religion and the Bible. Uh, This is the show where we look at world religious trends in the light of Bible prophecy. I'm Pastor Gary. I'm pastor to the Brighton Seventh-day Adventist Church right here in the beautiful city of Adelaide. I'm also your drive-time host every Tuesday and Wednesday, but this week I'm also your drive-time host on Monday and, and Thursday, so it is wonderful to be able to be with you. Uh, now, look, this week uh, we're having a a fantastic uh, discussion, just same two presenters every day, myself and Pastor Brenton, Brenton Wilkinson. This week we're asking, is God, if God is an all-loving and all-powerful God, why doesn't he fix the problem of pain? Now, this is one issue that so many people struggle with. Uh, now, yesterday, of course, uh, we talked about how did, it, how did such a, a good creation change to what we've actually got today? Today... We're going to move in a slightly different direction. Today, we're going to be asking the question, does Satan really exist? You know, uh, so much of the story that we talked about yesterday talked about a, a perfect garden, but it talked about the fall of humanity, mistakes that humanity did make. But that story is wrapped up with this personality called Satan. He seems to flow right through the the scriptural record. What we need to ask today is, does he really exist? What is the evidence? And, hey, why does it matter anyway? Uh, this is a really key question. That's the, that's the direction we're heading, uh, today. Now, today, uh, my co-host is actually, uh, Brenton Wilkinson, and, and Brenton has just moved into retirement, uh, after recently functioning as the regional pastor to the Seventh-day Adventist churches, uh, down in the Mount Gambia district, and did a fantastic job down there for, uh, for three years, and it's wonderful to have him, uh, on board with us. Welcome to you, Brenton. Thank you, Gary. Great to be on. Uh, it's wonderful to have you with us. Now, I hear that oh, yes. just last night that you got some fantastic news. Yeah, I understand. some good news. I understand that you became a grandfather for the third time again last night. Indeed, we did. We have a bouncing baby boy as a grandson. Name unknown at this point. Unknown at this point. Um, affectionately known by uh, the family as Marshmallow. Marshmallow. I don't think Marshmallow is going to be the final name. But, <laughs> <laughs> but mum and bub are doing well? Yes, yes, my wife is there as I'm here in the chair. Uh, looking, uh, well, probably cuddling our new grandson. Yeah, uh, look, now that, now this is commitment for you. Just think about it, folks. Brenton actually had a choice to come and talk to us today or go and visit his brand new grandson and he chose, <laughs> he chose you. I think that is a wonderful uh, sign of the type of commitment that Brenton actually has, uh, to our, uh, to our drive time, drive time show. Tell me, Brenton, what's the best thing about being a granddad? The best thing about being a granddad, I think, is seeing their enthusiasm when they see your grandpa or grandma, and immediately uh, our granddaughter whisks us off to her room to look at the latest things or whatever is going on, and our grandson is, shall we say, he's uh, he's going to have a future as as in sport. Yeah. He's, he's got very good hand-to-eye coordination. 
and uh, he, he's ball mad. Any, any type of ball, basketball, soccer ball, uh, even cricket ball. Uh, when they came to our place at Christmas time for Christmas Day, I put him on my shoulders so he could throw the basketball through the hoop mm. because, of course, he was way too short, so I had to pop him on my shoulders. We have a basketball ring that sticks out from our shed, and he, <laughs> I put him on my shoulders. <laughs> First one didn't go in, the second one did. He was happy as happy. So yeah. I'm sure the next time I see him in some sort of social setting, we'll be into the balls again. No, it, it's a wonderful being a grandfather I've discovered is uh, is such a wonderful feeling I, I'd recommend it to anyone. Look, if you can become Absolutely. a grandfather before you become a father uh, please, uh, you know, hey do that, you know. Uh, we, <laughs> we, we, we really enjoy our, our grandchildren. Yes. Let's come to our World Watch uh, segment this afternoon. And, of course, uh, in our world uh, right now, uh, today we've just seen yet another um, major disaster over there in Syria, of course. Uh, we've had a, a magnitude 7.8 earthquake. Now, look, I really wanted to be able to dig into this just a little bit, and it's a real privilege to be able to have uh, on our show this afternoon uh, the ADRA Director of Emergency Management in Australia. That's uh, Mr. Murray Miller. It is wonderful to have Murray with us. Welcome aboard, Murray. Yeah, hi, Gary. We're uh, happy to be with you, sadly, um, so under these kind of circumstances. Yeah, look, I really do appreciate, uh, you know, your willingness to uh, come on at very short uh, short notice and just chat to us about uh, about what is actually happening at the present time because I'm just so conscious that this is becoming just so repetitious uh, in our in our world now. Murray, look, if I could just sort of ask you, now look, um, just overnight we've had a, had an earthquake now, uh, in, in Syria. Now, can you just tell us, uh, what actually did take place? Right. Well, the, the pictures that are coming out of uh, Syria and Turkey really indicate that there was a massive ground shaking. And, uh, there in this area, you've got uh, some major, uh, tectonic plates. And, uh, some of these have moved in a very significant way. And, and a 7.8 earthquake is, is a, is a very, very strong earthquake. And the, and the, the sad thing is this was quite shallow as well. Uh, it happened at 4 a.m. in the morning when people were asleep. Yeah. Uh, so that has uh, increased the, uh, you know, the, the challenges there. But you, you had the main earthquake on one fault. And then, uh, shortly after that, there was a, a second aftershock. Uh, very close uh, magnitude as well, 7.5 magnitude. And uh, at that time, people would have been out on the streets. They would have been shaken out, woken up, uh, be out on the streets, and then the second one hits them. So, uh, yeah, and and uh, the fact that it's happening in, in this part of the world where uh, there is a lot of poverty and, and building standards are, and, are not as high as they are in other places. And so, uh, unfortunately, many multi-story buildings have collapsed on people still within them. I, I really, I'm interested actually that you do mention that because uh, uh, my, my understanding is is that uh, this part of the world um, certainly houses some of the some of the poorest. And am I right in saying that it's also a war-torn region? Yeah, particularly the northern region of Syria, which has been impacted heavily by this earthquake. You know, that being much more than ten or twelve years. Uh, have been undergoing war. There's, you know, the same area. They've been bombarded from both uh, Syrian forces, Russian forces, 
And so uh, the, the people have been fleeing. Uh, you know, there's over 4 million people in this northern area of Syria, and a high proportion of those are, are still living in, in camps and refugee situations. Uh, so, uh, you know, any disruption of their life now is just an added uh, trauma. You can just imagine the trauma that they've been through. You just imagine the kids and so on growing up in, in that environment, and yeah. now now this, this comes. It, 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 yeah, it's really, really hard to get you your head around and your heart goes out to those people. Yeah, yeah. Look, Murray, you're the uh, ADRA uh, Director, the Emergency Management uh, Director for ADRA here here in Australia. Look, how do you go about uh, arranging support for, uh, for, for this type of a disaster? Yeah, it is challenging and this is where we can be thankful with the ADRA network. Uh, we have staff, we have a, an office in Damascus, an ADRA, a Syria office, Yep. And they actually have staff up in Aleppo and another office in Latika where the, the two major governorates uh, that have been impacted by this earthquake. So we actually have staff on the ground there already. Right. And they, they have immediately mobilized and have been out surveying the situation, helping immediately people with water and food and then analyzing along with other Agency, so it's not just one entity; it's a it's a combination of organisations. Adra's been working very closely with the UN, United Nations, mm-hmm. um, as well as other uh, major non-government organisations, uh, and collectively, that's where uh, support can be given. But yeah. uh, you know, at, at this particular point in time, uh, the emphasis on just immediate saving lives, and so search and rescue efforts are in there, of which. Adra does not take place at that level, uh, mm-hmm. but they've been uh, immediately going to places where people have been seeking shelter, and that's been in schools and some other other uh, community facilities. Yeah. And so uh, as those people have just fled there with uh, basically the clothes they got on their back, um, that's still desperately in need of, of support. And so that's that's where we're focusing attention right at this moment. Yeah, yeah. One of the things I, I know I really appreciate about Adra is the sheer fact that uh, because it's related to a a church, it has a, a huge number of uh, volunteers that it's able to call on uh, on you know already on the ground. Now that's that's so true, and and this will be the situation across the border in Turkey. Uh, so you know the earthquake, uh, the epicenter was actually just on the Turkey side of the border. Yeah, um, is about fifty kilometres in from the border. Uh, so we're not looking at great distances that have been impacted here, but the, there's high populations. And the Seventh-day Adventist uh, Church does have members in Turkey. We don't have an ADRA office in Turkey, uh, but ADRA works very closely with the uh, the Adventist Church and uh, can quite rapidly mobilise volunteers from the church here. Yeah, 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 yeah. Look, just tell me, just one final question. You know, look, is ADRA taking, you know, are you taking donations at, at this point in time or is it just simply too early? No, we definitely have an appeal out immediately because uh, we recognise that this is a, a massive, uh, a massive undertaking. We've already committed a hundred thousand dollars to this response, mm-hmm. and we anticipate that the public will be generous. So, if anybody does uh, you know, feel prompted to donate, uh, we'd encourage you to. You can go to our ADRA website, adra.org.au. And you'll see the donate button there where you can donate directly. 
Murray, thank you so much. I really do appreciate your uh, uh, your time this afternoon. Uh, and uh, mm, thank you, Gary, and thank you to all those who are listening. And we appreciate the the prayers and the support that that you are giving into something like this. Thank you so much, Murray. Blessings on you. And that, of course, was uh, Murray Murray Miller. Uh, he's the uh, Emergency Services uh, um, Director uh, for ADRA Australia, based over there in Sydney. I had the privilege to chat to him earlier uh, this afternoon. And look, I, folks, look, I would encourage you, if if at all uh, you feel you would like to support uh, in some way, please go on to that ADRA uh, website, adra.org.au. Uh, I, th- I believe you can't work through a, a better a better agency. Look, folks, one thing I'd love to be able to do, Brenton, look, I'm just wondering, how would you feel about just praying for those oh, involved sure, sure. in this situation at the present time? Because I'm, I'm conscious that there are the disruption in the families, the, you know, the nation, this is a, a place where there's, uh, you know, just so much already underlying tension. Would you pray for us? Yes, certainly. Father in heaven, we come before you this afternoon not to present a, an awful tragedy to you because we know that you know about it already. We pray for those who have been affected by this devastating earthquake in Turkey and in the northern part of Syria. People have lost loved ones. They've lost their possessions. They've lost their homes. And some of these people, Lord, have endured so far at least 10 years of war or more. Mm. Um, The trauma that these people are suffering, Lord, I don't think we as Australians can really begin to Mm. get a a handle on. Some of these people have been dealing with trauma for 15 years. Mm. If we were dealing with it for 15 years, I don't know how we would respond. Mm. But I pray, Lord, that um, not only a blessing upon ADRA and all other relief agencies uh, under the auspices of the United Nations that are working for these people, I pray for those who are searching through the rubble that they will yet find people alive and be able to retrieve them from there. I think of the food, the clothing, the water situation, the lack of sewerage and all the other issues that are going to have to be dealt with as a result of this disaster. Lord, may your hand be over those who are reaching out at this time to help. Mm. I pray for our Australian people. There the sometimes is a tendency to become anaesthetised to the the disasters that we find around about Mm. us. Some of these dear people from Turkey and Syria actually live in Australia now, and I'm sure some of them have probably got relatives in that part of the world. Mm. Help us to open our hearts, open our wallets, and open our generosity to help those in need Mm. at this time. Lord, Mm. uh, we know from the word of God that these things have been predicted wars, rumours of wars and famines and earthquakes and all the rest of it. It still doesn't make it any better when it happens. Mm. But I pray, Lord, that um, you will come soon Mm. and put an end to all of this suffering that we're discussing this week. Mm. Lord, please be with Murray Miller and those here and those particularly in Aleppo and in Damascus who are reaching out to these people at this time. Give them more than human wisdom, more than human compassion, as they try and help these poor people to repair their battered lives. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. 
You know, Brenton, really appreciated your your prayer there. You know, this week we're actually talking about this issue of pain and suffering yes. and the reality of that happening on this earth. And we're trying to look at and we're saying, hey, why? You know, is there other explanations for it? We're looking at uh, some of the explanations that can be given and yet, you know, nothing uh, can uh, negate the horror of this type of uh, uh, this type of incident. Look, Britain, just just tell me just before I do actually yeah. move on, just just sure. one question. Look, how do you respond to this multiplicity of tragedies? I mean, do you think that um, do you think in some ways our community possibly has become desensitized uh, to just the incredible number of uh, of um, catastrophes that are impacting our world. I think it. Uh, I think it does have that effect, Gary. Uh, it seems you know. You, you think back to what we've had in Australia this year. We've had floods. Mm. Now the floods we've had, the loss of life is minuscule compared yeah. with what you're talking about here. I mean, when you consider that the World Health Organization says that the final death toll might be eight times what, what it's currently, currently being yeah. recorded, do we become anaesthetized to it? I think it's possible we can. I think what we can do and what we can share with our listeners is, dear Lord, please help us to have compassion for these people because it's possible to say yet another tragedy, yet another earthquake. Where is it this time? How many people have died? Oh, it's not on our patch, <laughs> the NIMBY yeah, principle, yeah. not in my backyard. If this earthquake of this magnitude had happened in Adelaide yeah. today, I wonder what the response would be. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I think we have to be sensitive to the fact that we can be desensitized at this yeah, time. Yeah, I, I'm just so conscious that I'm more and more I'm getting convinced that uh, these uh, uh, tragedies are happening with such monotonous frequency regularity. and regularity mm, that indeed, and particularly the way they're presented in the media, you know, they're there for yeah. two or three days and then uh, all move of a sudden you, you move on to the next one. And, and to me, I look at it and say, hey, this isn't how it should be. You no, know, I mean, no, no, human no, no. compassion... Uh, demands far more than that and uh, no i i i believe it's a huge challenge to those of us who certainly uh, are bible believing christians but i think it's a huge challenge to our entire uh, our entire world but guys look let's come to some uh, some music this is uh, uh norma moa and uh, the the song is what the world needs beautiful song please enjoy Yeah. 
is actually in that song and what a world we're actually living in uh, and what uh, uh, what uh, what reaction do we need to give uh, look folks we do have a giveaway uh, a book today now our giveaway is uh, find is uh, entitled finding calm in the chaos of life now this is a real little beauty now if you would like uh, your this book perhaps you might be going through some type of trauma at the present time it might be a health issue uh, maybe it's a financial issue maybe there's some relational uh, relationship matter that is re- that you're really struggling with look if that is your particular situation can I encourage you to please pick up uh, this particular book it is worth a read uh, the book is uh, Finding Calm in the Chaos of Life. Uh, this is by uh, a Dr. Julian uh, Malosa. And uh, he simply simply says, if you aim for a joyful, balanced life and wish to have total health, even in the imperfection of this world, then follow Jesus' suggestion. This is a biblical book. It presents Jesus' recommendations for finding calm in the big wide world that we're living in right now, uh, even with all its turmoil. And now, guys, look, if you'd like this particular book, what you need to do is to text us. Now, our studio text number is 04 888 
in 2020, Barna, Barna Research. Now, Barna Research, as you know, Gary, would probably be the premier um, research organisation research organization in the United States dealing with religion, religious yep. philosophy, yep. religious belief, and all the rest of yep. it. Yep. Now, this is interesting. 51% of those they surveyed said they believed in God. That's down from 73% in 1991. Okay. So there's been nearly a one-quarter drop in people who believe in a personal God from 1991 to twenty. So about half of people yeah. believe in a personal about God. About half of God, uh, people in the United States of America believe. What's the statistic in Australia? I'm not sure. Uh, it would probably be reasonably similar, but here's the rub. 56% of those surveyed believe in a literal being called Satan. Hey, this. <laughs> now, we could probably discuss this for the rest of the session, but um, hello, 51% believe in a literal God. Um, although Barna stated this, he made an interesting comment. He said tens of millions of Americans consider themselves Christians, mm. but they do not believe God is in control that's what we were talking yeah, yeah, about yeah, last yeah, night yeah, a yeah, little yeah, bit, yeah, yeah. or really care what happens to them. Okay, so we're talking about a so God who is out there. Who is out there, but he's basically like a, um, he's sitting there with arms folded saying, dear, dear, dear. This is the, this is the well deist there. form of God. Because a, I believe so. A, a yeah. deist form of God says yep. God exists, but he's a remote God. He's far away from and me. And he has no intimate relationship with his creation. Indeed, indeed. Yeah, yep. that's the deist that's, God. That's, that's yes. the deist God. Well, that seems to be coming through, and yet 56% of them believe in a literal Satan. Now, here's, here's another interesting um, thing. One of the leading churches in our world, a Protestant church, in their baptismal vows, it used to say this, that we will, um, let me get to it. That we will reject the devil. Okay. And all rebellion against God. It was in the baptismal vows when you were baptized as a baby. Yep. That's what would have happened. Yep. Of recent times, this church, within the last five or six years, has changed it to make it more palatable, more acceptable yep. Yep. to the yep. average um, person in Britain. It now reads, turn away from sin and okay. reject evil. So essentially what you're doing is you're taking the devil – out of the picture, yep. the word rebellion out of the picture. It's focusing more on making it acceptable to the average person who perhaps doesn't know God. Yep. And it, it, it boils down to change your thinking. Yep. Which, which, we, to, which we would agree with. I mean, we would agree with it to a degree, but yep. um, they've taken the devil out of the picture. So, where it goes back to what we said yesterday, where does sin come from? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what we're talking about today. We're talking about a being that sin began with a being, but we'll get to that later in the week. Yeah, 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 yeah. This is important what you're actually saying here because the the thing that jumps out at me, however, is that uh, you're you're certainly speaking with the assumption, and I I believe correctly so that the um, devil is a real, is a real being. being. Now, Absolutely. is that? Is that a biblical yes, it is. Uh, belief? Yes, it is a biblical belief. 
And I'm not going to use the Old Testament today. Right. There are allusions, obviously, going back to the Garden of Eden when yep. we had a talking snake. Yep. Yep. Hello? Do we have talking snakes around today? I mean, you, know, you look at what's been going on with the floods and the people that have got snakes in their houses, in their beds and under their chairs and all the rest of it, don't know that any of them talk. No, exactly. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, but in Matthew chapter 4, it says this. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. That should give you a clue. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, afterwards he was hungry. Now, when the tempter came to him, he said, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. I guess if you're a a disciple of higher criticism, you could say Christ is delirious. No, he's not delirious because there's question and answer. When you look at this section of Scripture, Gary, between chapter 4, verses 1 to 11, it's question and answer. If you are the Son of God, make these stones into bread. You don't conjure that up just because you're delirious or short of food or short of water. And the answer was that Christ gave him was that He said, a man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Then the next one, he says, it says he took, the devil that is, took Christ up to the pinnacle of the temple. Interesting that one, that one, for those who may be listening who are Bible students. It was believed that the Messiah would jump off the pinnacle of the temple. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And here he is saying, hello, if, you, if are. you are the Son of God, throw yourself down. Then he mm-hmm. starts quoting Psalms 91 mm. selectively. Yeah. <laughs> now, then the third one is the, third the, glo- temptation. the gloves are off. Yeah. Okay. You know who I am. I know who you are. Yeah. If you will bow down and worship me, you can have this world. You don't have to go to the cross. You don't have to go through all the agony and the trauma that you're going to go through in the next three or three and a half years. We can put an end to this right now. Yeah. All yeah. you have to do is bow down and worship me. Now, these are not the ramblings of a fevered imagination or a person who's short on food and yeah. clothing yeah. Or, or food and, um, shall we say, drink. Now, in John 8, there's another good one, and I think this is worth uh, quoting, where Jesus is talking to the um, not only his disciples but to the people in the temple area who believed that he was the Messiah, and he was saying that if they knew the truth, the truth would set them free. And then there's quite an, um, quite an extensive discussion going on here. Mm. And in the end, he says this to them. He says, you are of your father the devil mm. because they say to him, we are children of Abraham. Yes. Now, hello, was Abraham a real person? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Abraham was a real person. Yeah, they were children of Abraham. He yep. said, "You were fa- you were children of your father, the devil." Yep. Now, would it be logical to assume that if Abraham was a real person, how can you say that you're of your father, the devil, if the devil is not a person? And then he goes on to describe the characteristics of the devil. He says he was a murderer from the beginning, mm-hmm. and the truth was not in him. Mm-hmm. He's a liar, and when he opens his mouth, he speaks lies. Mm. In other words, what you're actually saying here is that uh, Jesus, the one who is the... Uh, he confronted who, a literal 
He confronted the scriptures appear to be incredibly clear that Jesus believed in and confronted this being called the devil. I believe so. Yes. You know, that's that uh, that is something that in our big wide world uh, right now, you sort of look at it and people sort of say, well, you know, I mean, this is, you know, this is really out there. You know, you can you actually take this literally? And yet I the, believe you can. the yeah. scriptures do take it mm. as very literal. Yeah. When you're over in the Middle East, and I've been there, of course, Abraham, he is revered yep. by the Jews, yep. by the Christians, but also by the Muslims. Yep, yep. Father Abraham, do they ever believe that he was literal? Most assuredly they do. So when Christ is saying this, and then later on in the book of John, as you know, um, Jesus says to his disciples, the prince of this world comes and he has nothing in me. Mm. Mm. This is not talking about the ramblings of a fevered imagination. Mm. This is recognizing that your enemy, that your um, (laughs) nemesis is a real being. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Christ was a real being. And let's face it, if the in devil fact was a real being. If in fact you're going to deal with um with a problem, you have to actually be able to identify what that problem actually is. And what we find and in the scriptures and who is it. responsible for it. Yep. And what we're finding here is that you're getting these uh these pictures uh, that are coming through from the Gospels. And, of course, Jesus is, uh, you know, the uh, the one who commenced the, the, the Christian faith. And, exactly. uh, and he's certainly teaching this, uh, uh, this, this understanding. And there is another one further on. Peter, who was a disciple of Christ, says in 1 Peter 5, verse 8, you know the text as well as I do. Yeah. Be sober, be vigilant. Because your adversarial adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walks about seeking whom he may devour. Mm-hmm. Now, I did a bit of research on this today. Do lions roar before they take their prey? Mm-hmm. Old lions do. But it's mm-hmm. usually to drive their prey towards the female lions who are waiting to eat them. Wow. So, so there is some <laughs> validity to this. I'm not pushing it too far, but there is some validity to, to this that, um, an old lion who's maybe his best years of running are behind him, Gary, yeah. he'll roar to frighten his prey and that will drive the prey who's trying to escape him towards the lions that are waiting for him. Mm. Wow. Wow. So when, uh, Peter uses this analogy, your adversary, the devil. Notice the word adversary. What does the word uh, Satan mean? What Adversary is one of the names of the word Satan. Uh-huh. Opposer, uh-huh. rebel, father of lies. I could go on. Other names are Lucifer, the that, devil. Yes, yes. In but, Spanish, Diablo. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. Or Diablos. These and so are, on and so forth. These are all terms or terminology used about what we believe is a literal being who has your worst interests at heart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, that goes some way to explaining, uh, for example, what was it that caused humanity to sin? You know, yesterday does, we, we, does, we looked yeah. at this issue and we uh, we said that, hey, you know, God created everything so perfectly, but then there at the very beginning there was a change in human hearts. Somehow humanity was able to give their allegiance to this being called Satan. Satan. And then the way that people thought 
was different. And what we've actually seen is that since that time, we have the salvation process being in place whereby God has a, has started to reverse the effects that uh, uh, that were actually put in place way back way back Notice then. Notice the way he goes about it sometimes it's almost imperceptible yeah. this is why in the society in which we live in we find that people want instant answers, they want instant action but God plans long term that uh, to me, I think, is so incredibly important. He's a long-term planner. That is. Look, on Thursday we're going to come back to that very Here thought we are. because we are. because this is absolutely vitally important. That you know, uh, sometimes, and I think in our society, I think you're so correct in what you're saying. We're accustomed to immediate answers, and yet God is long-term, 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 and He is resolving this issue of pain, suffering, heartache, and disease. He is. But he's playing the long he's game. Not, he's not asleep on his throne with his arms folded. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, he let's is. come to some music yep. because we'll and we'll come back it. to this in a moment. I really appreciate that thought that you do actually okay. threw in there. Uh, let's come to the, this. Is the Sinzio family? I, I know the Sinzios. Uh, the Lord is my shepherd; I want for nothing. Please uh, enjoy this uh, this music. Uh, it uh, it is heart transforming music. He 
the Sinzio family, the Lord is my shepherd, I'll want for nothing. What beautiful words for the world that we're living in right now. Folks, we do have that giveaway book. If you'd love this, uh, like this giveaway book, we'd love to be able to share it with you. Finding calm in the chaos of life. Uh, if you aim for a joyful, balanced life and wish you had total health, even with the imperfection of this world, then why not follow Jesus' suggestion? This uh, this book actually goes through uh, some of those recommendations that do come from the mouth of Christ. Uh, a powerful little book. Please, uh, uh, if you would like, Finding Calm in the uh, Chaos of Life, all you need to do is to text us. Our text number is 04888. 80811 04888-80811. And in that text, all you need to do is to put our code for the week, and the code is SA101. No gap between the SA and the 101, just SA101. And uh, that'll actually trigger our robot, and uh, he'll get a little bit of information out off you, and um, uh, then uh, uh, that'll enable us to get that book to you in the fastest way possible. Uh, so that number again is 0488 uh, Now you are listening to uh, Faith FM Drive Time, big Q&A with Pastor Gary and today our co-host is Brenton Wilkinson. And Brenton has just moved into retirement after three years of ministering to the um, to the Mount Gambier District, uh, District yeah. Churches. And uh, this week we're asking that question, if God is all loving, all powerful. Why doesn't he fix the problem of pain? And just before our break, Britain said something I think is incredibly important. God is playing a long game here. And the reason for that, we will discover on Thursday's program. We will. Make sure you have a look at that program because that program is key. That is going to bring so much of uh, uh, of these elements uh, together. Uh, today we're simply asking, does Satan really exist and does it matter anyway? Brenton, really appreciate what you've actually been sharing. Um, bring it all together for us. Mm. Look, something extra for uh, our listeners and for ourselves, we would be remiss if we didn't mention Ephesians chapter 6 says, finally, my brethren, I'm reading from verse 10, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armour of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Now, going down a little bit further, Paul uses the analogy of a Roman soldier. Mm. But verse 12 is the one that I like. Uh, It's a good one. Verse 13, my apologies. Therefore, take up the whole armour of God that you may be able to withstand all in the evil day and having done all to stand. The suggestion in Bible commentaries is that he's saying at the end of the battle, when the war is over, you will still be standing. You've Mm. heard the saying, last man standing. Mm. He's saying here, as a Christian, our fight is a spiritual fight. It's not a literal one. Then he goes on to uh, tell us what the weapons are. Have you ever ever had a look at the weapons, the sword of the spirit, uh, the helmet of salvation, all the rest of it? Yeah, the shield of faith. Yep. 
these are not just defensive weapons, they're offensive weapons. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think that's a, that's a point. So as Christians, if we have on the whole armour of God, we're not just defending ourselves against a being that is going about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. We are actually, we can actually proceed offensively. We can mm. storm the devil's territory and help people to know Jesus. In other words, the scriptures actually take, you know, Jesus presents belief in the supernatural of Satan. He does. As very real. Very clear. Paul does it. Peter does it. The apostles do it. Jude you know, did it as well. Remember the disputing over the body of Moses? You know, one of the things that I'm, I'm just really interested on in uh, on that one, uh, Brenton, is I've actually had some friends who have uh, served in uh, in mission type capacities in uh, in third world countries, yeah. countries like Papua New Guinea. Do you know in Australia, when you actually say to somebody, uh, "Look, um, uh, you know," start talking about a devil, they look at you and they say, "Oh, this cartoon character. Can you really believe in him?" We can present the scriptural evidence, but you know, if you go into countries that are particularly uh, countries like oh, Papua yeah. New Guinea. And uh, you speak to the people and you say, hey, there's a, there's supernatural forces, there are demons, there is, you know, there is the devil. Yeah, they don't need to be convinced because and many of these... And they appear in human form sometimes. And they appear in human form sometimes. These people mm. do not need to be uh, no, convinced because uh, these in the people have actually seen, they have heard, they've understood, and they've seen it as something that's incredibly real. You know, it's interesting that in the sophistication of uh, our particular uh, uh, culture, yeah. uh, this is something that is uh, glossed over as though it doesn't exist. Yes, but sometimes you know I think that uh, some of the uh, uh, some of those in uh, in some of our third world countries have a great deal that they might be able to teach us even today. But keep going, Brenton. But well, I'm going to take it one step further yeah, sure. from what you said. If you press Control Alt Delete and delete the de- the devil from our thinking mm. from our consciousness, our spiritual consciousness. Can you imagine the advantage that gives him if you don't believe in the devil yeah, and yeah. he's harassing you, yeah, yeah, as Peter says, goes about like a roaring lion seeking him about and about. Yeah. Who are you going to attribute all this misfortune to? We could go to the book of Job. We haven't got time to do that today. Yeah. But um, they're, they're the things that we need to be looking at as, as people. If we recognise that there is a literal devil and that, as I said earlier, he has our worst interests at heart. He he just wants us to be destroyed mm-hmm. along with him. Mm-hmm. But Brenton, look, to tell us where is this taking us to? Because you know, I mean, uh, I mean, what's going to happen to him? I mean, yeah. the end game is um, in Revelation twenty, and I'm going to read it to you. Revelation chapter twenty where it talks about what is going to happen to the devil. And now, this is interesting, actually. You know, yeah, you're going to tell us what's going oh, to yes, happen to the yeah. devil. The Bible tells us this. I love it. Oh, yes, this is good. Now, when the thousand years were expired, we haven't got time to go through that today, but anyway, we'll come to it. Uh, it talks about the wicked that were raised from the dead. They went up on the breadth of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints and the beloved city, and fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. The devil who deceived them yeah. is cast into the lake of fire. What have we got here? The, the devil, devil who is, deceived them is not in charge of hell. 
because number one, there is nobody in hell at the moment. Well, look, this, is, this is, is important. Just, let, let's backtrack hell. just a little bit here, because what this is saying is that there's going to be a lake of fire yes. at the very end of yeah, time, according is, to the book of Revelation. This is the, this is the end of the story. At, at the very end of the story, and that that lake of fire we could call hell, yes, you can and... Satan himself, according to the book of Revelation, is going to be cast into. Satan is going to be cast into the lake of fire. He's not in control. He's not in control. He's not in control of it. No. No? He's not. Then you come to chapter 21 when it says, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. That's the end of the end. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. The end of sin and suffering is that the author of sin and suffering is destroyed in the lake of fire. No, he is not in charge of hell. No, he is not tending anybody currently. He is. He knows what his sentence is, and that's why he's working with such feverish intensity today to try and ensure as many people as possible are deceived and not ready for Christ's return. Yeah, yeah. Look, this to me is it's actually... devilishly cunning. <laughs> th- this actually brings so much together uh, for me because it explains, you know, uh, it explains what the future does actually hold, not just for the Christian, but also for uh, the forces of evil. In other words, the day is going to come when evil itself... Is going, it's to, going be to be destroyed. done away with. Yeah. I love that. You know, I love the uh, d- uh, death. Uh, you know, John Donne song. You know, uh, it's a sonnet. You know, death, be not proud. Though some yes. have called thee mighty and dreadful, for thou art not so. Death, thou shalt die. Why? Because you'll be cast into the into the lake of fire. That's of course yeah. talking symbolically. Satan himself. It's using the term death. It's personifying death. Indeed. But there is no such person as death. Yeah. But the author of sin and death will be destroyed in the lake of fire. So hence, if he is destroyed, death is also destroyed. And hell. Because at the the end of it, when the fire goes out, there's no more hell. Incredible hope, doesn't it? And fantastic. Great news. Fantastic. Great news. Look, our, our time is, uh, is up. We do have to, have to finish. Let's just bow our heads together in prayer. Father in heaven, Lord, we come to you right now. I want to say thank you uh, for giving us that promise that behold, you're going to create a new heaven and a new earth. And the time is going to come when pain and death and suffering and heartache and disease, when it will be done away with, when you will be victorious over it. Lord, thank you so much yes. for making us, giving us that promise. Uh, Lord, I just pray uh, for any who are struggling uh, right now. Mm. Uh, Lord, uh, I, I just pray uh, that uh, you might fill their heart with your spirit, because your spirit brings peace. Yes. Uh, Lord, I just pray for anybody who might be struggling with a, a financial issue, a relationship issue, a health matter. Lord, I pray that your hand might descend upon them, might touch them, that they uh, might uh, be drawn incredibly close to your throne and that they will be given your peace. Yes. These things I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, folks, it does look like our time's up for today. Thank you so much for joining Pastor Gary and Brenton Wilkinson on Drive Time Big Q&A. Please join us tomorrow when Brenton is going to rejoin us again and we're going to dig deeper into this same issue of pain and suffering in our world. We're going to look at this thing, a question, did God create 
a devil. Uh, we're going to look at a thing called the Great Controversy. This is so important. You really look forward. <clears throat> really look forward to you joining us. But until then, please remember Christ said, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give isn't like the peace that the world gives. So don't be troubled or afraid. May our God richly bless you. This program has been made possible by the support of Adventist World Radio.